everyone, this is Jonathan in Beijing. Uh, today is April 5th, and it is the Qimingjie um, Tomb Sweeping Day Festival in, in China. So um, for people not familiar, it's a day when people go to um, the tombs or grave sites of their uh, ancestors and, to pay respects, usually by burning incense or burning uh, paper money. Um, I have, personally have not been to see Dr. Wang for a couple of years, like his, his cemetery because of the pandemic, because there, there were some restrictions. Um, I hope to be going later this week. Um, I was unable to go with Dr. Wang's family this week because I, I work today. But I plan to go later in the week or maybe next week with um, Ms. Liu Ying, who some people have been to Beijing before they met her, and she was also one of the, like, the main... A very important assistant in Dr. Wang's clinic in his uh, later years because she was you know, always around helping, helping doing everything like cooking and giving Dr. Wang's needles, giving people moxa, even giving Dr. Wang like massages and stuff uh, during his, uh, his afternoon breaks. So um, uh, we'll hopefully, the two of us will hopefully be going to see Dr. Wang uh, soon in, in his plot, just light some incense, give him some flowers. We just got a picture from uh, Dr. Wang's um, family members who, who who went today, and they've they've laid some flowers on his by his uh, uh, tombstone um, and lit some incense too for him. So for this episode, I just kind of wanted to spend. It's going to be a short episode. I just want to spend a few minutes just to to talk about Dr. Wang. So I know there are people who have listened or who listened to this podcast who have come to Beijing or, or met Dr. Wang uh, either in Beijing or in, during some, some of his lectures overseas. Uh, I even know some, I think there's some listeners who even met Dr. Wang back in the 1990s when he was teaching in California. And there's some people I know who, who have never met Dr. Wang, but you know, they've, they've learned a lot about his system either through uh, his book, the English book that was written with Jason Robertson, uh, applied China theory in Chinese medicine, or if they've attended different seminars or online classes with us, with Dr. Wang's students. Um, so I just want to just briefly just kind of reflect on uh, Dr. Wang and what kind of person he was. And um, from my perspective, he was the, the perfect combination of a, of a scholar and a clinician. So I think he's kind of one of those uh, once-in-a-generation type of practitioners that we see um, in Chinese medicine, and he had such a big impact on on um, Chinese medicine as a whole. And so, I think what, one thing about him is that with his, he was his very good clinician because he, you know he would he had very experienced clinician. He would see something like a hundred patients a day. But what was also great about him was that he would spend a lot of time also just researching. Um, the classics, researching almost reading almost anything related to Chinese medicine, but also very, really focusing on the classics, returning to the classics. So he, I remember his his wife and daughter both told me that when um, just and when they they have a lot of memories of Dr. Wang, you know, after um, after they would eat their meals and the kids were getting ready to go to bed, Dr. Wang would. Because at that time they lived in a very small apartment and he did not have a study, so he had nowhere to read or to research. So they recalled him going to their kitchen and putting a uh, cutting board on top of their, their sink. And he would use that as like a makeshift desk. 
And that's where he would, he would just pull out his notebooks, his, a lot of books, and he'd start reading and writing um, about Chinese medicine, about probably what he experienced during that day and in the clinic, or thinking about different concepts related to Chinese medicine, or researching different, different things related to Chinese medicine. So he would, sometimes his daughter would see him setting up his makeshift desk right before she was about to go to bed. And then in the morning when she'd wake up, she would still see Dr. Wang sitting there reading and, and writing. So he just had this, I don't know where he got this energy, this complete like dedication to Chinese medicine, but he was so passionate about it. Even until he, up until like the day he passed away, he was, you know, when I met him, I was talking to him while he was in the hospital, he was still talking about different things and still had uh, so much love for this medicine. And I even remember even when he was uh, like in his like 80, he, I remember for, I remember very clearly there was one patient he had and uh, he really wanted to understand what that illness was, uh, how to understand the illness. So he spent, one, I remember one night he came to the clinic and said, oh, I didn't sleep at all uh, the previous night. And it was because he had spent the entire night just researching uh, about that that medicine, that that illness and just reading about it. And that, I think that's the kind of habit he had developed even when he was younger. So even if Dr. Talker was an 80-year-old man, he was still um, researching his these Chinese medicine in the, with the same kind of vigor same kind of energy and curiosity. And what was great thing about him too is that he wasn't just purely a, a, like a scholar, like he really tried to uh, implement these, these theories or things, concepts that he was learning in the classics in a, into a clinical setting. So as a result, you know, he was able to kind of try and test out these different concepts and to see if they worked. And the ones that worked, he would continue using and, um, and he's just trying to like, to trying to just confirm a lot of these theories that we learn in Chinese medicine through the clinic. So he's always very rooted in the clinic. So I, that's why I say Dr. Wang is like almost a very good combination of like a scholar and clinician, which I think is sometimes very rare to find. But he's also, you know, a great teacher. He was very good at communicating his concepts in a way that I think almost anyone could understand. So Dr. Wang was born in Beijing in 1937, and he passed away in August 2017. And for a lot of us, you know, I think... We all feel like we've lost someone so important to our, our lives. And I guess for me, it's like one of the biggest uh, biggest losses for me. It was not just like the, the times, like those kind of quiet times we spend together in his clinic, especially after the clinic shift would end. We, you know, I would you know spend some time with Dr. Wong just chatting about different things. I would walk him back to his apartment. So like those little quiet moments, I, I really miss. They're just... Um, it's just very felt very stable and safe kind of environment being around your teacher because he could always be there to answer your questions and kind of guide, give you guidance in a lot of ways. So for me, like, and I'm sure like other students feel the same way that when Dr. One is gone, like, you know, I, I, there's so many moments where I wish I, I could like share different cases with him or discuss different cases with him. Um, and I, I, I just, it's just a shame that, you know, that he, he had to pass away so early and, but very fortunately, you know, with this uh, with this group of students that Dr. Wong has, especially, you know, the ones internationally like Jason Robertson and Yafim and Nisa and Li Mei, it's great that we are able to have this kind of discussions on on Chinese medicine. And that's probably one of the reasons why we've been doing this podcast, too. It's also like we gain a lot from this. And what we find that that every day we're in our clinics, we feel that Dr. Wong's spirit has never really left us. Because we, we can always are using his Dr. Wang system. So every time we like palpate a patient's channels, every time we use Dr. Wang's point pairs or locate, locate points in the way Dr. Wang would, would uh, the, in the way Dr. Wang taught us, 
it just feels like he's always there like his spirit is always there and he's never really left us so um so i'm sure other people too who have studied with us or even spent time with dr one they i'm sure that you probably feel the same way that um that even though he has been gone for uh these almost five years it still feels like his 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 um energy his spirit is still around kind of guiding us um helping us with our our uh, our in the clinic to come to the right uh, diagnosis and and every there's so many times every day in the clinic where i feel like oh like you always feel like you develop a deeper connection with dr one because the more you use his system so many things that he had talked about or concepts he talked about in the past like become clearer and clearer like the more by through the more clinical experience that you gain using the system of applied channel theory it just for me it brings me closer and closer to dr one's like oh now i understand why uh what he meant by this point pair combination has this effect of treating this disorder or, or now i understand why this channel is said to be treat this kind of disorder or have this kind of physiological functions of the body and i find that i feel that every day i have that, that kind of experience so when I, I was reading that you know I was, I was just thinking that dr has been gone for five years it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago so then in a sense i just want to say that like one of the best ways for us to pay respects or our respects to Dr. Wong, uh, to like honor his legacy is by trying to continue to pass on his teachings to future generations of TCM doctors. And lastly, I want to say that I think Nisa and I were talking about this in a previous episode about how there are different rhythms in the body or rhythms in, in nature. And one thing is very interesting, like in culture, I think like for the motion, like the emotional rhythms too, that I think like having this kind of day, like the tomb sweeping day festival, it is also a way not it is also a way to help to regulate our emotions so like having this day like one one day per year where you can kind of sit back and kind of reflect on people who are very important to your life who passed away i think it is very good for your emotional state of mind i'll be playing my uh a song the the new song that we've been using as our kind of title song and like the for our podcast it's by uh my friend high school friend thomas dole or tom dole and his band the strayan um i don't know if it's this kind of music is the uh, everyone's i don't know how many people like this style of music kind of like country style but uh my friend is from toronto but no it's you can say it's like uh country style uh yafim is not a big fan of country music but he thought this music is suitable for the uh the podcast i'm sure that he's going to press uh stop after right before i play this song but i know jason robertson he's a huge uh he's from kentucky so he he loved this song so i just want to kind of play the song to can conclude the today's uh, short episode because for me i think when i listen to that song it it kind of brings out that in the same way that kind of joy i feel when i whenever i recall dr wong or think about my time with dr wong how it, it kind of captures that feeling of joy but also at the same time that feeling of kind of sadness in the present like when you are not having that person um, who's so close to you that to be to have gone and so i'll play the song now and thank you for listening i hope uh, this episode wasn't too somber um but again i think by as we we do this podcast or as we you know teach this continue to teach dr Ron's classes or teach applied channel theory and use dr Ron's system in the clinic it just feels like it's one way uh, to respect Dr. Wong, to also to keep his spirit alive. Okay. Thank you, everyone. And we'll be coming out with new episodes soon.
And here's uh, Clancy over the Overflow by The Strayin. I had for one better knowledge sent Where I'd met him down the Lachlan years ago He was shearing when I knew him So I sent the letter to him Just on spec dressed as follows Clancy the overflow And an answer came directed In writing unexpected And I think the same was written Thumbnail dipped in tar. It was his shearing mate who wrote it and bade him I will quote it. Clancy's gone to Queensland droving, and we don't know where we are. In my wild erratic fancy, visions come to me. Clancy gone a droving down the Cooper where the western drovers go. Stock slowly stringing, Clancy rides behind them singing. For the drover's life has pleasures that the townsfolk never know. And the bush have friends to meet him, and their kind of voices greet him. And the murmur of the breezes and the river on its bars as he sees the vision splendid. The sunlit plains extended, and at night. Wondrous glory, the everlasting stars. Sitting in my dingy little office where a stingy ray sunlight struggles feebly down between the houses tall. Fetid air and gritty, the dusty, dirty city, the open window floating spreads its foulness over all. Place low wind cattle. I can hear the fiendish rattle of the tramways and the buses make a hurry down the street. And the language uninviting of the gutter children fighting comes fitfully and faintly for the ceaseless tramp. Faces haunt me as they shoulder one another in their rushing nervous haste, with their eager eyes and greedy, and their stunted forms and weedy. The townsfolk have no time to grow, they have no time to waste. I somehow rather fancy that I'd like to change the clancy, I'd like to take a turn at droving. Where the seasons come and go While he faced the round eternal The cash book and the journal But I doubt he'd suit the office Clancy of the overflow 